Good morning, everyone, and uh, glad to have you here with us this morning. Going to be an interesting show today. A great guest at 9 o'clock, something a little bit different. You know what a big supporter I am of law enforcement. There's an organization called ALICA, and it's the Arizona Law Enforcement Canine Association. They train police dogs, and there is a big expo going on this weekend. It's a fundraiser for this nonprofit organization, so we're going to have the president of the organization come and talk to us about the training of those canine officers and what this organization does. Should be an interesting interview uh, just after 9 o'clock. Going to start this morning in a bit of a different place than we have uh, recently. We're going to start with the elections and things that have gone on. Yesterday, big day kind of in the news as uh, Katie Hobbs did her sit down with PBS. And uh, it was interesting. The dean over there at PBS said to the kids, hey, you might want to do your classes from from a home, do online schooling, because we don't know what could possibly happen. Always, always the fear tactics and the scary stuff. And okay. And uh, so they did the interview, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, and we'll get into what was said in that interview as we go on this morning. But then uh, Katie Hobbs defended the fact that she wasn't going to debate um, uh, Carrie Lake, and and the reason why is because it was going to be a spectacle, and it wasn't going to be a reasonable conversation, and she's not afraid to debate. And then she jumped in a freight elevator, and she left. Uh, the optics of this, and I've, I've said, I've been very clear about this. I'm not saying that that uh, Katie Hobbs is afraid to debate Carrie Lake. I'm saying it looks like it does. It Anybody that is not already in the tank deep for Katie Hobbs looks at this and wonders why. When you don't want to talk about it after the interview is over and the media is waiting for you in one room and you go into another, you go into a freight elevator and you leave – that's what it looks like, and that's why I want to. I want you to hear. I don't expect you to agree with a lot of what you're about to hear, but here's the difference. Now, uh, and to be very fair, Carrie Lake spent 27 years in the media, so she knows how to speak in public. She is a commanding speaker, and she, of course, was being asked by the media about election deniers, and instead of ducking the media, she faces the media. And so she got prepared for this one. So just to set the scene for you, she's being she's been asked about election deniers and she looks off to her left to a young man named Anthony, who we only know is a young man because she asks him how old he is. And he replies 20. She says, you a journalist. And he says, no. But they put together a stack about a half an inch thick of news stories going back to 2016 and election denial from the other side of the aisle, which I happen to think is a fair thing. Now, most of you know, I've been very, very clear that I didn't like the way the audit went here. I believe that Joe Biden is the president of the United States. So I don't necessarily agree with the election denial. But I have said there has been election denial on both sides of the aisle, and it hasn't been covered the same way. It hasn't been viewed the same way. So this is Kerry Lake going after the media. Let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh wow, look at this. This is from This is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that. Is that an election denier? Oh, look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. This is outright Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? 
This one says, was the 2016 election legitimate? It now definitely is a question worth asking. That's the Los Angeles Times. So it's okay for Democrats to question elections, but it's not okay for Republicans. It's a crock of BS. Every one of you knows it. We have our freedom of speech, and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists. Now, whether or not that helps her win the governor's office, I'm talking about the election denial piece of what she believes. What she just said there were were two things I think are important. Number one, she defends her position with facts. And her position there is you, and she's speaking to the media, you do not cover election denial the same way. And then the other response you hear from people is, before I get to number two, and the two things there, she defends her position. Um... Along the lines of what happens is the next conversation is, well, wait a minute. The election deniers in 2016 didn't lead to an insurrection on the Capitol. No, but what it did lead to was four years of congressional hearings, millions of wasted dollars, and a Mueller report in two committees in the United States Congress. Two, the Judiciary Committee and the Intelligence Committee. They did investigation after investigation and hearing after hearing after hearing. Then we got the Mueller report. Then we got the Mueller testimony. It went on for almost all four years of the Trump presidency. Now, I, again, am not someone who is an election denier. But you have to admit that the two were not covered the same way. Anybody who questions the election, and I don't agree with them. I've been very clear with this. With people in my party, I've had the leaders of the audit on this show. I've maintained a civil and very good relationship with them because I have been respectful because I also say in 2016, all of these people denied the election. And if you're going to take one side as a tinfoil hat crazy person, you've got to do the same on the other side. And it has not been fair. Hillary Clinton wrote a book called What Happened? Not with a question mark. It was a statement. What happened that denied that she lost the election? That it was stolen from her with collusion between the with the former President Trump and her uh, and uh, and the Russians, that there was collusion. So she defends herself by saying here, this is what these are. These people election deniers. Why aren't you covering this the same way? So she kind of backs up her position that way factually. But the other thing is. That she stands up and she faces the music. Whether you like her or you don't like her, she's not running and hiding. Now, I don't know that I don't know why Katie Hobbs didn't want to talk to the media yesterday. I don't know who advises her campaign. I have no clue. But I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone that I've talked to that's in the campaign or election or government business, and this is all sides of it, whether it's uh, people that are uh, um, strategy experts, people that help in, on campaigns and campaign advisors and consultants, other people in the media, people that uh, are lobbyists, you know, all facets of government involvement on both sides of the political aisle. I've not talked to anyone privately that thinks that the way they're handling this is the right way. And so Carrie Lake stands up and says, bring it on. And as she was what she said was right. I want you to hear just one more piece of this. This is what she said to follow that up. We cut this up because it was about a minute and a half long. So here's about another 30 seconds of what she said. Since 2000, people have questioned the legitimacy of our elections. And all we're asking 
is that in the future we don't have that have to happen anymore. When I'm governor, excuse me, when I'm governor, we're going to make sure we have honest elections. We want the Democrats, the independents, and the Republicans to all know that their vote counted. We want fair, honest, and transparent elections, and we're going to deliver that for the people. Now, two things at a point of clarification. I do not agree with all of the things that people on the other side, on the the, the election denial side, in what they want to do. I don't have any problem with the tabulation machines. I don't think it, it's going to be any easier or better to count ballots by hand. I think that mail-in voting done the right way is a great way for people to vote. I don't think it's going anywhere. I do think we can shore up the things with voter ID, and we can do some things to make elections safer so that people are, are, are know that the election have been fair. So I don't agree on every part of the issue. But what I do agree with, what I agree with is when a candidate stands up and says, and I think she was being reasonable there, saying to people, hang on a minute, everybody wants to categorize me, and I'm paraphrasing, you want to categorize me, an election denier, tinfoil hat extremist. Well, hang on a minute. And she pulls out 150 examples of election denial from the other side of the aisle. You could have heard a pin drop. You heard how silent the media was. They had no rebuttal because she's right. She's right. Now, I'm always categorized as the right wing this and I'm as fair as anybody can be. I want to tell both sides of an issue and give other people that disagree with me the same respect that I want to be given. But what Carrie Lake did there in comparison to what Katie Hobbs did is a huge difference. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is. Carrie Lake walked forward and faced, she walked the gauntlet of of media knowing what she was going to be asked. She was prepared to defend her position. She did defend her position. She understands she's going to be asked difficult questions. She's going to be asked questions where people try to trip her up. And she does it. And she did it there. You don't have to like her. You don't have to agree with her on everything. But you got to give credit where credit's due. Katie Hobbs gets her 30 minutes on PBS and sneaks out of the building. And I, that's not an insult. That is a fact. Media waiting in one room. She jumps on a freight elevator to leave the building. And voters are going to see that. Voters understand what's going on. Voters understand at this point, And they see this as Katie Hobbs does not want to be asked difficult questions. And and this is this is going to hurt her. I'm not I'm not predicting that Carrie Lake's going to walk away and and crush everybody in this election. Not at all. But when you look at what people are seeing and when you make a valid point, there are going to be independent minded voters out there that say, you know what? She's right. One hundred and fifty examples. And, you know, Hillary Clinton still says it was stolen. So does Stacey Abrams, the White House press secretary. Look at those examples. And then what they did was they offered To anybody in the media that wanted it, a copy of those 150 examples, and I don't, I'll bet you, I don't know this, but I will bet you not many decided they wanted to take her up on it. So anyway, I just thought it was an interesting comparison of how the day went yesterday and how it was handled by the candidates. You've got to give credit where credit's due. And in this case, I thought Carrie Lake handled it the right way, and I don't think Katie Hobbs did. 
You got your 30 minutes on PBS. It's a huge story here in Arizona. It's making national news. The media is going to want to talk to you about it. And you sneak out in a freight elevator. That does not look good. And for the record, just so you know, I double checked yesterday. We have had multiple requests. I was given an email address when I when I was able to uh, interview the Secretary of State for the TV show that we're doing called Before You Vote on AZTV. And she was kind enough to come in. She, sit, she, uh, she sat down with me on two occasions to do interviews for the television shows. And in the last interview I did with uh, with the Secretary of State, I asked her to come on the radio show. She was very nice, and she said she definitely would. She had her press person with her and gave me his – he gave me his email address. We have reached out to them every week, probably every few days since then, with no response. So I'm fair. I would love to have her on the show to tell her side. And uh, we just haven't gotten a response. In a moment, we're going to shift to the economy. Inflation not easing in the winter. We're going to tell you why in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. I appreciate you spending some time with the show. Again, coming up just after 9 o'clock this morning, Tony Sanborn from the Arizona Law Enforcement Canine Association joins us talking about a very cool expo that's happening uh, this weekend. So we'll have him in studio with us uh, just after 9. Um, energy prices. I want you to hear about this this story. They're saying, hey, listen, inflation's not going to really ease for anybody this winter because any gas savings that you might still be getting, savings that we've had over the record high that we reached, is going to be eaten up by the cost of heating your home this winter. So this is a ABC, an ABC report uh, about that. There's a concern about what it's going to cost American families to heat their homes this winter. The government says that the average American family will spend now $930 to keep their homes warm. That's about $200 more than they spent last year. So it's not getting easier for families. And this is part of what the issue is, I think, for the for the administration is that what going into these midterm elections, people vote with their wallets anyway. And messaging matters and your ability to message matters. If you look back at the great communicators that we've had in my lifetime, looking back, it's it's really interesting to look back at how people were perceived. Um, uh, If you look at. uh, Gerald Ford, President Ford, he was kind of he was he was always mocked on Saturday Night Live as kind of a, a goofy buffoon kind of a guy. Whether that's accurate or not, I don't know. But I mean, I was too young to even remember. And you look at uh, Jimmy Carter and the way he was perceived while he was president. And a lot of pers- presidents are not popular while they're in their presidency. Um, uh, George W. Bush left office with very, very low poll numbers because of what happened with the economy and, and the wars at the, at the end of his presidency. And he was reviled. I remember volunteering on his campaign in 2004, and I, I don't, I didn't think I would ever see the kind of vitriol and hatred for a human being that, like I saw in that election cycle, until you know Trump ran for re-election, and then it just the lid blew off of that as far as hatred goes. But after the Bush presidency, the country has softened on him. Same with Bush 41, uh, who only served one term, his father, and uh, they became be- beloved. I mean, George H. W. Bush was loved by the country and by the world with the human. 
humanitarian work that he did, partnering up with Bill Clinton, by the way, and uh, and 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 the perception. Bill Clinton was not very well received in his first time as president. A lot of questions about his ability to do the job. Um, and the reason why I say that is perception does matter. And in a presidency and what we have now, the messaging, Ronald Reagan was not popular at the beginning, but his ability to communicate. He is still known as the great communicator. For Republicans, they hold him up. It's kind of like the Kennedys were held up for decades by the Democratic Party because of JFK's ability to communicate. And so you've got to have a good communication skill set. I believe that's a big part of being a good president is being or being a good leader in general. And with um, with President Biden, they just aren't. And, you know, they just aren't communicating well. They are not resonating with the American people. They act as if nothing is wrong. They tell her keep telling everyone everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. Um ABC, Mary Bruce over at ABC talks about gas prices and trying to get some relief at the pump. The president today is going to be announcing more steps to try and ease gas prices and voters' concerns about rising costs. In a speech here at the White House later today, President Biden will say he is releasing 15 million more barrels from the Strategic Oil Reserve in December. This is just the last of the 180 million barrels he authorized back in March. Now, to put this in perspective, 15 million barrels is really actually just a drop in the bucket. The U.S. consumes about 20 million barrels every day. So what will this do to ease gas prices? And not much. We know that. Uh, and what's interesting, I talk about policy. Here comes my my policy speech. The president of the United States, they made a calculation. The White House made a calculation error in, uh, in what was happening with uh, drilling offshore in the Gulf of Mexico. They made a calculation error in what would happen. And they admitted that they made an error, but they haven't corrected the error. And it's slowing down the possibility of drilling and exploration in the Gulf of Mexico. And they're not going to correct that mistake for quite a while, which is just... Just one more step, one more, um, you know, you're just putting one more bag for someone to carry up the hill. It just makes it that much harder. And I think that a lot of that is what what part of the problem is here. And uh, so we're going to talk about this multiple times today because the economy is still the number one issue for Americans. It is what everybody is focused on because it is becoming harder and harder around the world. And they're right when they say there's worldwide uh, recession, worldwide inflation, I should say. Um, they're right about that. They are right, but the, how does America ease its pain as much as possible? And that's another part of the conversation. The good news is some IRS relief because of the calculation as well. We'll get to that a little bit later on this morning. In a moment, Gatos is going to join me, and that's our big Q poll question of the day. So stick around. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Hey, are you going to a Halloween party this weekend? Uh, nope. Oh. Well, I figured, you know, you'd go to some fancy party. Do you have a Halloween costume picked out? Nope. Are you too old for this? I just, it's, it, I, I'm not a Halloween guy. I don't, I'm not really? a hater. I'm not a hater. Yeah. I, it's just not my thing. Not your, yeah. So, like, if you were invited to a Halloween party, you'd show up, like, dressed as a talk show host. Correct. Oh gosh! Well, I was gonna I was gonna go to a Halloween party. I was gonna dress myself in a hazmat suit and go as you. <laughs> I love that. That would have been great. Very good joke there. Um, so it kind of goes into my my cue. All right. 
after the uh, success of the Netflix series Dahmer, have you been watching this at all? No, you know, I, I listen. I have this thing about serial killers. I read, I read all the books, I watch yeah. all the documentaries, but I, I have not watched the uh, the series. Okay, so you know, it's a series about Jeffrey Dahmer yep. who killed a whole bunch of people. All right, so it's a huge success, and now you see that stores and online sites are selling Jeffrey Dahmer Halloween costumes. Right. Yeesh. So I ask, would you let your kid dress up uh, as this killer for Halloween? Yes or no? <laughs> uh, you know, like we always, we, we people dress up as killers all the time for yeah. Halloween. It, yeah, it, I think it, there's a difference sometimes between a fictional, like a Michael yeah. Myers, or right. a you know, yeah, and and glorifying a re, a guy that really murdered people. And he ate him. He ate him. I mean, this guy, this dude was as bad as it gets. Yep. And like when you watch the series, uh, Evan Peters from uh, American Horror Story yeah. uh, fame, he is uh, he's uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. And I'm telling you, man, you learn a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer. He, he was very quiet, very calm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. he's, he's he's eating a leg and it ain't a chicken which leg. Is, which is why I was always so compelled by some of the serial killers and why I've always read all the books because yeah. – um, if you look at, at Ted Bundy, um, this was a guy that was so well-liked that right. th- there's a woman that wrote books. She was actually – her pen name was Ann Rule. She was a detective in the Pacific Northwest. She wrote a book called The Stranger Beside Me, and she worked overnights volunteering at a suicide hotline in the same building with Ted Bundy. And she said she liked him so much, he wanted she wanted to introduce her niece to him to date. Oh. Amazing. How they could live those two separate lives. Right. It's crazy. It's creepy. To try and get back, to try and get into their head and understand yep. what the heck they could have been thinking. It is fascinating. It is. But I'm not going to be dressed as, uh, as uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see how you get dressed up. I'm going to be Tom Cruise this year. Awesome. Yeah. I'll send you a picture. All right. I can't wait to see it. All right, man. Thanks, man. See ya. That's Gatos, and the Big Q poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up just after 9 o'clock, we are going to talk to some people from a canine association, right?